The prodigal son's story, it's, it's one of our biblical stories that's known universally. There's a couple of those we have. And this parable has, has shaped our ideas about what it means to be a prodigal beyond the church. It is very much like the Good Samaritan story that causes us to recognize that when someone helps another person in need, we, we call them the Good Samaritans. The world often labels those who are lost or wayward, therefore, in a similar manner as prodigals. But the word prodigal, in and of itself, doesn't mean lost, doesn't mean astray, doesn't really mean anything bad, actually. It's not necessarily something to be heard negatively. Instead, it simply means to be extravagant. In fact, the word prodigal is not actually in the scriptures as they were written. We have this title prodigal because of in many translations, translators have given this subtitle to this section in the story of the prodigal son. However, they're spot on. The idea of extravagance is very much applies to this story. It very much applies to this younger son who is extravagant, who is prodigal in squandering the inheritance for which he had been given. But in a moment, I want to offer that the father is no less extravagant, albeit for very different reasons. Now this story is very familiar. It's about this younger son who no longer wants to live at home and among family. And he asks his father for his property, in other words, his inheritance that he would receive upon his father's death. Culturally, this would have been very disrespectful. He might as well have said, Dad, I don't want to wait for you to die to get my inheritance. I want it now. Now, this would likely never happen, and if it did, a father would be well within his authority to say, no, I'm not giving it to you yet. But not here. Here, the father simply gives the son what he asks. And then the son promptly takes it, squanders it extravagantly on fast and loose living. Henceforth, forevermore, he is now called the prodigal son. Now, the younger son has long been our example of what happens to one or what can happen to someone who gets lost in their fast and loose living. You will wind up eating with the pigs if you are not careful. That's how low we can go. And the shame that he shows upon returning home is is palpable. He has hit his rock bottom, it seems. And the only way to go from here is up. There's There's no further down he could go. Now, few of us, thankfully, will likely ever find ourselves in as deep a hole as this, although it's possible. I would say that deep down, most of us in in here in this story, maybe there's some kind of satisfaction that, that bubbles up to see how humbled he was by his mistake. See, he's learned. Good for him. But we must also pay attention to the older brother. It's important to remember as well whom Jesus is talking with here. Jesus is not talking. He's not sharing this story among a bunch of prodigals. The prodigals are breaking bread with him at his table. He is talking to some Pharisees. He's talking to a group of folks who were offended by the company that he was keeping, the those, who, those who were grumbling. They have said that all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And seeing this, they start grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and he eats with them? It matters to them. 
And it matters because they've lived their whole lives setting an example, keeping good order, waiting for the Messiah to come, carrying forward the stories and the traditions of faith and going the extra mile in all of that. They were exemplary. They worked hard. They followed the rules and they lived pious lives. So now that we hear word that the Messiah has come, he starts advocating for those who on any other day threaten the good order of things. And they take offense in that. It was hard for them to hear Jesus say things like, you see these folks here, they're going to enter the kingdom before you. It was hard to hear. This idea of Jesus loving sinners as much as the pious, a hard pill to swallow. But let's not be too quick to judge the Pharisees too harshly. This is a hard lesson. This is a hard lesson for the best of us. Someone once shared a reflection on this story that I've always remembered. And I don't remember where I heard it. It's been a long time. But it's told by a daughter who was taking care of her father in the last weeks of his life. Week in and week out, she was there taking care of him as a caregiver. Her mother's health was already not well. She had been the main caregiver all this time and carrying the burden of, of doing this while all the while her younger brother never showed up. Never was present at all. And at her father's, as his health faded, she called him to leave messages he would never call back. Even when he died, she left a message and he never contacted her. Not once. This younger brother, like the one in our parable today, for many, many years had left home. He had hit rock bottom a number of times, and at 49 years old, his life was still quite a mess, she shared. And the longer he was away, the harder it was for him to come home. So when he does show up for the visitation, she's not very happy with him. All she could think about was how for nine solid weeks she was caring for her father as he near death and Saw her children and husband only on the weekends. Not once did he help. She did everything she could to hold back her anger and her tears. And, and then she began to recall her father's last request. He had asked that she sing softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. Come home. And she thought that this was her father's prayer. It was, it was a prayer for her father who was entering home in glory with God. Come home. But then she watched her brother being embraced by his mom. Then she saw the joy on her mom's face that the son had finally come and showed up. And she realized this is who the song is for. She reflected upon his tears and his neck nuzzled in his mother's, his, his face nuzzled in his mother's neck and she realized she would never, not in her lifetime, understand what that moment was like. She would never know the depth from which he had come home from. And she decided in that moment that she didn't know she could sing. And it was a regret for her as many years that she did not sing. I have to imagine this is how hard it was for the Pharisees. This is how hard it can be for any of us. To see Jesus giving more attention to those who had not been faithful. Those who had done harm in their sins. They must have thought, we've been faithful. We've lived by the rules. We've maintained the religious traditions. Why in the world is 
Jesus making is not why is Jesus not making a fuss over us? Why isn't Jesus pointing to us as good examples of what folks should be like? No, we're not perfect, but we do a lot of good things, a lot more good things than that son. And why does he keep telling the world to focus and to, to celebrate the sinners? It just didn't make sense. But let's be honest. Don't we understand the Pharisees? Don't we understand the brother? Don't we understand the sister? I do. I get it. Where is the reward for not being sinners like others? Shouldn't living well earn us something a bit more? To this the Father answers us today. He says we do not deserve more. But he also says, I have loved you every day. I have loved you every moment. And I've given you everything I have. You have been here. You have done well. But that does not mean... I love those who come back home less. I love you both. And sometimes the love I have to give each of you looks different. But there is enough love for all. We are all the brothers at some point in time in this story in our life. And regardless of which one we may be most like, the point is that the Father desires nothing less than to love us both as we are, even if differently. Someone once said that journeyers, that many of us are journeyers and some of us are gardeners in life. And I think that's a good analogy for this story. Because the younger brother is definitely a journeyer. See, journeyers never look before leaping and, and they want to make the most out of life and embrace every moment. They often slay the dragons in stories. They get things done and they're, they're good at being the hero. But there's a downside. With the journeyer, they can focus on so much of what they want that they don't pay attention to the impact it has on others. Self-absorption is not out of the question. Now, the older brother is definitely the gardener. Gardeners live for routines and cycles and reputations and, and good order. They're able to spend seasons with the repetitive work of cultivating and planting and waiting and harvesting and then repeating it over and over again at the right time. They're compelled to set aside their own comforts to, to pull the weeds in the, in the heat of summer. That's the gardener. But there's a downside to the gardener if we're not careful. We can be resentful or judgmental to those who don't work as hard as we do. Gardeners love their work. They wouldn't do anything else, but resentment can still creep in. Now, some of us may be more like the journeyers. Others of us more like the gardeners. In truth, we're probably a bit of both, each one of us. But our story today shows us that God does not value one above the other. Jesus wants to see that journeyers and gardeners are both loved, even if their existence is harsh and difficult at times. And when our differences get between us, God desires that these siblings learn to love each other. And until that's the case, the Father is restless. The Father always longs for that celebration where all of us, one and together, Celebrate coming home and being home together. And for the Pharisees, this parable brings them to a choice. A choice that the older son had to make. Jesus wants to know from them, will you join me longing to reconcile sinners? Will you join me in celebrating when they come home? Or will you not? 
Yes, this story is a parable, but it reads like a true story because I do believe it is a true story. It's, it's our story. And someone once said that this story is Christianity in a nutshell, and I must agree by and large with that. If any of us to ever to understand the fullness and the extravagant grace of God, it seems to me there are two fundamental questions that we must ask and answer in our lifetime time and again. And the first question is, do you not think that your mistakes and the harm they do matter to God? And if you do, can you believe that God still loves you? Now, if this question resonates with you in any way, maybe it's time to come back home. If you've wandered away from God in in any way, know that we all do at times. We are all prone to take the inheritance God has given us and to to get wrapped up in things of this world so much that we forget about God. And if it's time for you to come home today, know that God will meet you on the road before you get there. Now the other question is, do you understand that, that God loves those who sin? but that that doesn't mean that God loves them more than you. Now, if this question resonates with you, then maybe it's time to let your heart soften a bit. Maybe it's time to no longer let the sins of others cause you to feel anything other than hopeful compassion. Maybe they'll come home today. Maybe that's today's the day. It may not all happen at once. It may be that we need time this story of the prodigal has been with us for 2,000 years and God still stands with him to this day when we read the story. God will stand with you too. Some hurts cut deep, but God will walk with you and stand with you in that. Now, have you ever noticed how we say something can change the meaning totally? Our inflections matter. I can imagine, I can imagine the inflection of the Pharisees when they come to Jesus when they come talking about Jesus, saying to themselves, this fellow welcomes sinners and, and he eats with them. It, they must have been disgusted by it. But in a way, I think today's teaching is meant to help us change the inflection of our hearts towards those whom God chooses to love. In fact, I think this passage wants us to use the very same words of the Pharisees, but in a very different way. It wants us to say, wow, this Jesus, this fellow, He welcomes sinners, and he eats with those who have done harm. And to say that as if it is the best news in the world, because it is. Thanks be to God. Amen.